Welcome to the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. This is Danny Thompson signing in for you guys. Uh, got my man Tim Jackson. He's back on the line. And then we got we got a real, real special guest here on today. We got Mark Whalen from the 5x5 Network. Um, you recall we did one podcast with the guys already. We did with Rob Sonny. So it was only right that we get Mark Whalen on for this, for this edition of the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. This is our mock draft special. Um, but before we get into that, Mark, what's been going on? How you guys weekend? How's your day been going on? Been doing pretty good. Just uh, trying to catch up and stay up to date with all the Kawhi Leonard news that obviously came out today, and then uh, just grinding away on the scouting reports for uh, the players in the draft, and just looking forward to see what uh, we're in store for on draft night. I think it would be a pretty fun night. But uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, no problem, no problem. Hey, man, we appreciate you coming on. So. You know, just to get you guys up day up and running, he mentioned the one thing about the Kawhi Leonard. Um, just I want you guys to keep keep yourselves up to date with that, with that's going on. That's going to be one sticky situation. But the main thing here for us at this today's episode is the NBA draft. It is coming up on the twenty first, and uh, we've released a couple editions of our mock draft already. So it's time that we actually get down to the nitty gritty and give you guys our final mock draft before the draft comes up next week. Um, I'm going to simulate everything that we make our picks here. We're going to do it through the real GM uh, draft simulator, and I'm going to post these results up, you know, this weekend so you can see where where we see things going on on the 21st. Um, so it should be a real good, real good situation. Um, before we get started, if you had to make any guesses, who do you think will probably be the first pick of the draft to you know, start things off? Mark, what do you think? You know, if I had to guess, I'd probably say DeAndre Ayton. Um, I have him in the in the in the same tier as Luka Doncic, and I think both of them are legitimate number one picks. Uh, I do think it's between those two guys. Uh, so you know, whatever one of those guys doesn't go first, I think you know the other one has to be the pick. But you know, I think ultimately you go with Ayton. I think he's got more upside than Doncic, um, just with his physical tools, obviously being just a monster and a beast that he is, and then. Also, as well, I think just with the ties of the front office, uh, the University of Arizona there, um, I think they're pretty committed to taking him. And honestly, I think Aiden actually fits their roster a little bit better. I know everyone's kind of enamored with this idea of Luka Doncic going there. And uh, they can play a little bit smaller. They can spread the floor. They can have multiple ball handlers and shooters on the floor. But, you know, I think Luka is best when he has the ball in his hands. And I think Devin Booker, you know, who's already an established wing player there for the Suns, I think you want to put the ball in his hands as much as possible. And then obviously you have Josh Jackson as well, uh, who's not a great shooter right now. So playing him off the ball more seems like it would actually uh, hinder him, if anything else, unless he takes major strides in his shooting. So, And then Phoenix has just never had a good big man, right? Like all their young bigs have been terrible. Most of them are either on their way out of the league or borderline on uh, their way out of the league. And so I think just, you know, the roster balance, the fit there with Aiden as their big guy that can anchor it down in the middle and then allow uh, Devin Booker and, and Josh Jackson to keep the ball in their hands a little bit more on the perimeter. I actually like that fit a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, that combined with the upside there, I, I would I would guess Aiden. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Doncic uh, went number one overall either. Tim, you got the same read. You think Doncic, you think Aiden's going to go number one? Yeah, without a doubt. Um 
just for the simple fact, like um, Mark said, like with all the ties to um, with that Phoenix has to Arizona, plus like the the fit there, I think he just fits better than Luca would because of Devin Booker and um, Josh Jackson being there. It's just it'd be a better fit for them to get a big man. And then they haven't really had a solid big man, and who knows, but Mari maybe. So it it would be the perfect fit for them to get Aiden. Because I, I really have Luca dropping a little further than that. So maybe, yeah, I think AM would be a good pick for Phoenix. I don't see nothing wrong with that pick. All right. Well, we're just going to get right into it because I'm going to start things off. This is our mock draft special here, guys, just to keep you guys up and running. So to start things off, the Phoenix Suns, you can imagine their war room. They are, they're, like you said, they're only looking between two picks. They're only looking at either Aiden or Doncic, in my opinion. And uh, I'm I again, I'm with you guys. And the first pick is going to go to the Phoenix Suns is going to be DeAndre Ayton out of the University of Arizona. Like you said, his fit first and first, his physical tools is is out of this world. He's he is he's a legit monster, legit uh, big man who we haven't seen in a while, you know, come out of draft, especially with his talent. Um, like you said, with his upside, one of the things people are probably going to lack on is his defense ability, but that'll get fixed. That'll get worked on, especially playing in Phoenix. Um, Igor Kokoska, the new head coach for the Phoenix Suns, I feel like he's going to get he's going to get him up and running and get him up to speed. So that way, you know, he can come in and make things work for the uh, Phoenix Suns this upcoming season. And uh yeah, I think that's that's pretty much where they're going with this. He's seven feet tall, two hundred forty three pounds. Um, came into the came into the, this year's draft averaging twenty points and eleven rebounds coming out of the University of Arizona. So it's going to be good to see him post those, that type of production coming into the NBA for the next season. Um, and with that, we move on to the second pick, which belongs to the Sacramento Kings. And Mark, you have this pick. Who do you think the Kings will take at number two? Yeah, so uh, I'm really glad that you did go with DeAndre Ayton at number one <laughs> because uh, I actually really love Luka Doncic for the Kings. I think uh, the Kings obviously need help pretty much everywhere on the floor, but in general, I think they just need to take the best talent available. Um, but if you did want to talk about fit, I do think that they need another wing. If you look at their roster, there's just not really a wing on that team that you can sell yourself on as being the future. I know they have Justin Jackson. Uh, there, but he didn't have, you know, a super impressive rookie season. You have Garrett Temple, but he's more of a shooting guard. Same with Bogdanovich. He had a really, really good rookie season, but he's more of a shooting guard as well. And, you know, outside of those guys, they don't really have a wing. So I think Luca being a wing, uh, a versatile wing, they can even play some stretch forward to the side. I think he fits in there really nicely with their rotation. And they already have some pretty established big guys as well. So I think Aiton would have been a little bit of a funky fit there, especially with Willie Cauley-Stein there. Uh, you got Scala BCA. He's got a lot of upside there as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think Luke uh, would be the pick there for the Kings. I think he just makes the most sense with his outside shooting. I think his secondary ball handling as well alongside De'Aaron Fox would be very interesting, whether using him as the primary pick-and-roll action guy to initiate the offense or even allowing uh, De'Aaron Fox to initiate the offense and using Luke on the weak side as a shooter and then kicking it back out to him to run the secondary offensive options through him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Luke, uh, to me, is obviously – the best talent left on the board, and that's the most important thing. So regardless of all the fit things involved with the Kings there, I think that's got to be the no-brainer pick. And, uh, you know, Luka's arguably the most skilled player to ever enter the NBA draft at his age. Uh, you know, some people will 
uh, debate me on that with guys like LeBron James and, and players like that that came into the league. But, you know, a lot of those guys were more superior athletes than anything else. Obviously, LeBron is very skilled for his age. Uh, but I would say Luka is even more advanced in the skills category there. Obviously, he doesn't have the athleticism like LeBron does. Uh, but to me, he's just an extremely unique player. He's doing incredible things for his age overseas. And so for me, I think uh, Luka Doncic would be the pick for the Kings at number two. All right. I, I kind of agree with that analysis. Um, it'll, be, it'll be good to see him <clears throat> and, see how he, and see how he fits in with the Kings this upcoming season. Um, now we go on to the third pick, which belongs to Tim. He has the, the, the Atlanta Hawks' first pick of the uh, first round. And, Tim, who do you see the Atlanta Hawks drafting at number three? Um, I'm going to go with Jaron Jackson. And the reason why, because um, Jaron Jackson, he's, I think he's proven to be maybe, maybe a four in the, not a solid four in the league, but maybe a, kind of like a stretch four, like a Chris Boss to me. Maybe not as aggressive, but on the defensive end, he's um, laid the big ten in shot blocking. He's the jump shot is it isn't the form and the release isn't as polished as you would you would like or you would want, but consistency wise, he did I know he's pretty shot over maybe thirty over thirty percent, maybe thirty five percent from three. So I think I just just and just because Atlanta really doesn't have any well, any solid power forwards or centers there right now. So just that pick, it's the best available for them. So I just think they'll go with Jaron Jackson. Yeah, that's not a that's not a bad pick. Um, Jaron Jackson would definitely fit in. Um, Atlanta hasn't had a solid big man core since Paul Millsap and Al Horford was playing for Atlanta a couple years ago. Um, you get that and you combine him with uh, – uh, forget which Collins is. I know Zach – there's a Zach and a John Collins – um, but you fit him in with Collins in Atlanta, and you got a nice young nucleus in your in your front court. And then you pair him up, hopefully, with somebody either in free agency or with somebody you can possibly get in the draft this year. Um, you got a nice solid core to build around in Atlanta, and I think bringing in Jaron Jackson will be a good fit for that. What do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And to me, you know, like many of these teams at the top of the draft, I think the most important thing is that you got to find the best talent and you just need to be in right. talent acquisition mode. And I think Atlanta, you know, to me, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the third best prospect in this draft to me. So I think, you know, again, you just take the best player available. But I actually like his fit a little bit better alongside of John Collins. You know, John Collins is more of a classical uh, power forward, a pick and roll big who can play above the rim. He can rebound. He's not much of a shooter, though, not much of a creator off the dribble. And so if you're going to pair him with another big, that other big needs to be able to space the floor. And I think Jaron Jackson right. can do that much better than like a Mo Bamba or a Marvin Bagley. You know, maybe Bagley down the road and maybe Bamba down the road can do that. But I think Jaron Jackson has proven with his spot of shooting uh, that he can do that right now, especially from three-point range. So I think he spaces the floor a little bit more. He's the most versatile defender in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a defensive player of the year at one point in his career. Uh, his defense, uh, as, as Tony Jones here locally put it for the Salt Lake Tribune, said, uh, you know, his defense reminds me a lot of Kevin Garnett. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the, quite the insane intensity that KG has, right? But right. he has that type of versatility. So I, I really like the pick for Atlanta. I think he fits their culture, and I think he fits their roster a little bit better than the other guys on the board at this stage. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And now that you bring it up, that'll, that'll definitely be a good fit. 
in Atlanta, especially them with them getting a new coaching staff. So it's good to start off that you already have <clears throat> a solid front court, especially a young front court. Now that you have uh, Jan Jackson and John Collins playing together. Um, so that'll be a good fit for that, for that franchise, especially like you said, coming in with a new coaching staff. Um, but now we're going to move on. We got the fourth pick in the draft, which is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I have some trouble here looking at this pick because so far it's it's going where the way I expected it would be. Um, with Memphis, the thing is, you know, they already have Mark Gasol. He's already coming in ready to uh, – he's looking to come back healthy. And then, you know, you pair him up with Mike Conley coming, hopefully come back a little bit more healthy. And then at the same time, you know, they could use another solid big to line up with Mark Gasol. Um, you can't really go wrong with, you know, with the bigs that are on the board right now. But if you ask me, I think they go with Marvin Bagley the third here. Um, his athleticism is off the charts. He might not have the most reliable jump shot coming into the draft, but his 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 upside on offense is what drives me into believing he's going to be. Um, he's what he's what you would look at as that typical small ball um, type player coming into the NBA. Um, he reminds me a lot of Chris Bosh because when Chris Bosh came to the league, Chris Bosh was built just like him. He was kind of on the slim side, but his athleticism and the fact that he was able to build his jump shot up to where he was be able to step out and clear some space and at the, and at the same time take people off the dribble that he was able to come in and produce. And we all seen how Chris Bosh been was in his career, you know, if he comes back or not, but he was one of Marvin Bagley. The third is one of those guys who I see them coming in and being that type of player for, um, for Memphis, he's going to come in. He's going to give you full on, you know, all the energy he has for your team and bring that along in Memphis to pair him up with Marcus Saul on the defensive end who can give him the right roles playing defense. Cause that's one of his, it's one of his drawbacks is his defensive ability. And I don't know if you want to say that because he was he was hidden in the two three zone playing for Duke this past season. So I don't know if really his defensive ability is there, but it'll be fun to see how that matches up, especially with JB Bickerstaff on the coaching staff. And then like I said, they're getting Marcus Saul back. So that'll be a good fit for him, especially having him alongside that that uh that core that he already have there. So it's gonna be fun to see what happens in Memphis. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I really like that pick. That, I think to me, uh, Memphis is the ideal destination for Marvin Bagley for all the same reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, I, I, I'm not so worried about his spot-up shooting as everybody else. You know, if you look at his synergy numbers from this past season, he scored 1.056 points per possession on his spot-up attempts, which is good enough to be in the 76th percentile. But, I mean, yeah. even if he never develops that, like you said, he's playing next to Marcus Gasol, a center who can space the floor, who's a good passer, and he's going to be playing with Mike Connolly, who's a great point guard who he can run the pick and roll with. And Bagley, you know, as a finisher around the rim, as a, as a screener in the pick and roll, you know, to me, he actually reminds me quite a bit of Amari Stoudemire in that sense, where he was just so explosive. And if you can get a good point guard to give him the ball anywhere near the basket, you know, he's going to finish that play uh, explosively. When you look at his synergy numbers there, he scored – uh, 1.487 points per possession on shots that round the basket that weren't post-ups. That's in the 96th percentile, and he had 199 possessions or scoring possessions uh, of those this past season. So he's an elite, an elite finisher. Uh, so I think him, Gasol, and especially Conley uh, running the pick and roll, running some different offensive options, 
spacing the floor for him and Conley's pick and roll can be devastating there. And then obviously his rebounding will fit in great there. And I think he just fits the culture there in Memphis. So I really like that pick for them. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense there. Um, now we move on. We got the fifth pick in the first round that belongs to the Dallas Mavericks. Mark, you have this pick. Uh, where do you see the Mavericks going with this pick? Yeah, so Dallas is in an interesting position. Again, I think they just need to take the best player left on the board. Um, but they can also really use a big man, especially a, a, a big guy that can anchor their defense and a big guy that they can match uh, with Dennis Smith Jr. in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, give him kind of a wing, uh, not a wing, literally, but a, a wing man to run uh, the offense with a little bit there. You know, Harrison Barnes has been decent, but he's not a guy that you can put in the pick and roll and have him uh, be on the dive uh, to be a lethal threat to open up Dennis Smith Jr.'s offensive game a little bit more. So, you know, I think they could use that. They could really use another wing, but honestly, this stage in the draft, there's not really a wing that you could take uh, without taking a significant uh, talent drop. Uh, you could argue maybe Michael Porter Jr. He's a little bit of both, but with his health concerns, I don't think that they would look that way. Uh, and then, of course, you still have Muhammad Bama sitting on the board. And to me, that makes the the most sense. He, he's that defensive big that can anchor uh, their defense. Obviously, has a huge wingspan that uh, rivals Rudy Gobert's, actually exceeds Rudy Gobert's. You know, he's a really dynamic shot blocker with great instincts. Obviously, he's going to have to continue to work on his body and strengthen up there. Uh, but I think he, like Gobert, can just be a, a massive uh, deterrent in the paint on, on defense. And, of course, he's got higher upside than Gobert does with his shooting. You know, he's been working with Drew Hanlon, who's the, the same trainer that worked with Jason Tatum this past year, with Joel Embiid, uh, some of these really well-known scorers in the league. And so, you know, I think that's a good sign for him uh, that he's going to be able to develop his offense. And uh, so I'm not too worried about that either. So, you know, I think he's just got the most – uh, upside, the most talent at this stage. He fits the roster really well. Uh, you know, I think they really need a defensive anchor like that, especially uh, with just the roster construction that they have with a weak, big rotation. And so for me, the pick would be Muhammad Bamba. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that type of assessment. Um, and you mentioned his wingspan. Um, Mo Bamba's wingspan, he is, his wingspan is seven foot ten. So he is just long and athletic. And like you said, his offensive upside kind of kind of puts him ahead of Rudy Gobert because they're both they're both superior on the defensive end. But it'll be good to see um, see what that offensive game translates to. Like you said, he's been working with Drew Hanlon. Um, and from what they've been showing in, you know, just some just some film that I've been seeing, you know, that's been posted of, of him working with Drew Hanlon. It looks like he's going to come along just fine. Um but yeah, it'll definitely be see that, especially pairing him alongside Dennis Smith Jr., who was a dynamic guard for the Dallas Mavericks this past season. And then he's going to have a good mentorship. Dirk Dirk is still going to be there, I think. Yeah, right. Depending on how to free, depending on how he goes with his um with that uh, player or team option that he has for him. But he's gonna it, it's going to be a good move for him to be in Dallas. Um, and now we move yeah, on. Well, and that- I would say this too, real quick. You know, Mohamed Bam is a very smart kid. He went to private schools growing up. He's very well spoken. He's very cerebral. And Rick Carlisle, the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, is a very high intelligent type coach that likes smart players like that. And Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the league, in my opinion. So I think that player coach match with Bamba there as well will be very important for him in his development. So I think that's a that's about as good of a pairing of a coach and player that you can have in the first round. No question. No question. Um, and now we move on because now we move on to the Orlando Magic. Um, I remember we were talking about during the season, you know, before the season got started, they were off to that hot start. 
And then they just did typical Orlando Magic play and completely fell off. So now, Tim, you have the Magic's pick. Who do you see the Orlando Magic taking at this at the number six pick? At first, um, before I even knew that we were doing a um, mock, I actually had made my own, and I had um, Mikael Bridges from Villanova. And then I don't know if it's, if I'm being a little biased because he's from Michigan State, but I put Miles Bridges there. And the reason why I put Miles Bridges there is because even though I think that Orlando, well, really they need their needs at to me are point guard, powerful, and a shooting guard. Now Miles Bridges isn't neither of the three, but to me, I think he's the best available at that pick for them. And the reason I say it is because he, the roster that they have now, it's not really they don't really have. Maybe I wouldn't say not a proven wing, but it wouldn't be too many people that I wouldn't think that he would be in the way of. I mean, you got Jonathan Simmons, Terrence Ross, um, who else? Um, Aaron Afalo. So, like, it wouldn't be a bad move to pick Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, he's kind of like a tweener to me. So, everybody now, like the, the Draymonds, the Crowders, the P.J. Tuckers, every team – kind of have that, that player, a tweener. And Miles Bridges, weighing 6'6", 230. He's not a proven jump shooter. He's very athletic, can finish at the basket. So, to me, I think I would take Miles Bridges at this spot. What you guys think? Um, It'll be different to see how that fits because we're not sure what Orlando, what Orlando's going to do, um, right. especially with Aaron Gordon being a free agent. Um, but I could definitely see that possibly being a good pick for them, especially on the lines of what he can do. He's like the ultimate glue guy. He reminds me a lot of a Derek Coleman, uh, Tobias Harris type of player, which Orlando has right. already dealt with because they had Tobias Harris for that at that uh, for that roster once before. And Tobias Harris put up some good numbers for them. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how they do this summer in free agency. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that works. Uh, Mark, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it would be a surprising pick, but I'm okay with it. I have Miles Bridges ranked as the seventh best prospect in this draft. I'm a huge fan of his. Like you mentioned, right. he's very versatile. He can play the three. He can play the four, the small ball four. He's a pretty good shooter. Um, you know, he's, he's actually really good as a pick-and-roll ball handler. This past season, he was in the 93rd percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler scorer. Uh, he's definitely improved his playmaking and his ability to score and make some things happen off the dribble. So that's where you can get away playing him at the three. And, you know, again, you know, I think Orlando, obviously, to me, I think their biggest need is a point guard, but they really just right. need the best talent. And I think Miles Bridges mm-hmm. is one of the best talents left on the board. You you may look at, like, a Michael Porter Jr., but, again, if you're concerned about his health, if you're concerned about some of the personality things that have come out about him, then you could definitely look at the next tier down, and that and that next guy is Miles Bridges, right? And especially if you look at the draft history of their front office, I think Miles Bridges, being a high-character guy, being an elite athlete, that kind of fits into what they're doing. doesn't exactly fit, you know, the, the tall and long type of prospect that they like. He's right. a, a hair under 6'7 with only a 6'9.5 wingspan. But you know, overall, I just think he's a really, really good player. Uh, maybe another guy that they may look at is uh, Shai Gillis-Alexander. He kind of fits their draft history there. I think that would be a super pick for them. But overall, I'm totally okay with Miles uh, Bridges going this high. 
All right, that, 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 that's that's a good assessment of things. Um, we'll definitely see what that pick is going to happen because I'm like I mentioned before, I've been saying it a week on my Twitter page. Um, the the fun for this year's draft is going to be be held after the second pick, and right now we're still we're starting to see what that possibility could be like, especially with like the domino the effect. Yeah, like it, it's going to be a huge domino effect once that happens because, like you said, you threw Miles Bridges in there, and it's not a bad pick. Because you can really go rock shot with whoever they want at that pick. As uh, Mike Mark said, Mark has Miles Bridges as the seventh uh, overall prospect in his draft. I had him as maybe the ninth overall prospect. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, going into that, especially for Orlando. Because um, you never know what could happen. We had mentioned, I mentioned, uh, I didn't get a chance to mention this, but there's been reports that Memphis is looking to shop that fourth pick. So Orlando may trade up to get that pick. I don't know. We'll see. But that's going to be the interesting part to see because now we move on to another team who would who could be possibly making moves, and that's the Chicago Bulls with the seventh overall pick. And uh, they could use a lot. They could use some scoring on the wing, um, possibly some another person, another big on the inside to pair up with Laurie Marketing with everything that he was able to build into this past season. Um, but if you ask me, um, their dream scenario would be Mo Bamba falling that far. And I don't see that possibly happening. But if you want, if you want to think, and this is my opinion, um, you, I would, I was thinking Mikael Bridges here because of the fact that what he can do on the wing scoring wise, especially on the defensive end, but I think they need to find another player to pair up with Laurie Marketing inside. So if you want my honest opinion, I think they go with Wendell Carter Jr. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. was a was the was the big man who paired up alongside Marvin Bagley, the Marvin ba- Marvin Bagley the third for Duke University this past season. Um, he is he was the that every everything type of big for for duke he he did it all for them um he reminds me a lot of al horford um in the in the sense of how much he can do he can finish around the basket um real soft hands so he doesn't have a problem catching it he might not be the athlete that marvin bagley III was but the one thing that wendell carter can do is he can shoot the ball from from uh from the three point range, um, everything's going to translate well for him coming into the NBA. And if you pair him up with Laurie Marketing, who can take who can take players on the outside, and you can keep Wendell Carter on the inside because his post game is very very solid on the block. And I think that would be a good pairing for the Chicago Bulls, especially bringing in, you know, that type of uh, player to pair along with Laurie. Marketing. So if it was up to me, I would take Wendell Carter Jr. with the seventh overall pick. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I actually had no problem with that. I actually had him going number seven to the Bulls. Um, but like you said, everything that you said, Wendell Carter, he can step out, he can hit the three. He's very quick off his feet, like very quick, very quick. He, um, kind of like you said, great hands so he can catch coming out of the pick and roll or lob to the basket. He has good finesse. Like even when maybe it was back to the basket, his first spin, like his first step, is like is is. It was very surprising. Like when I first, because my first 
time actually seeing him play was when he got the Duke. Like I didn't even see a highlight or anything until he got the Duke. So it was very surprising seeing him play. So I and seven three wingspan. So it's like it's it, I I don't see a problem with that pick. I I don't. I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I don't disagree with that pick at all. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Um, I'm not as high on Wendell Carter Jr., um, to be totally honest, as, as most people are. I have major, major concerns about his perimeter and pick-and-roll defense. I think he really, really struggles to move laterally. You know, I, I think a lot of people talk about Duke and how they went to their zone this past season because of Marvin Bagley's defense, but I think it was just as much or more so uh, because of the fact that Wendell Carter can't guard on the perimeter whatsoever. You know, he's just right. very clunky with his feet. Um, and so, you know, I, to me as a big guy, you know, he's super talented everywhere else. Like if you go through the mm-hmm. list, there's just not very many things that you're concerned about other than that. But to me as a big guy in the modern NBA, if you can't stay on the floor because of your perimeter and pick and roll defense, because you're getting targeted yeah. every time down the floor, you're going to Yeah. yeah. So, you're going to be sitting down. Especially like in the playoffs, right? Like you look, like even take like Carmelo Anthony, for example, uh, in, in Oklahoma City and Utah Jazz Series. Every time he was on the floor, the Jazz targeted him in the pick and roll, and they just played him off the floor. Ryan Anderson, again, uh, throughout most of the playoffs, couldn't get on the floor because right. he got targeted so badly in the pick and roll. So to me, you know, I'm not saying he can't figure that out, but if that's something that stays true to his game and he doesn't develop that perimeter and pick and roll defense, then he's going to be hard to play on a winning team. And so, you know, I, I have him down at 12th on my big board for that reason, but. You know, like you said, his offensive skill set is very, very high level. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, his offense reminds me of Derek Favors a little bit, but with a little bit better of a shooting uh, from the outside. Mm-hmm. But he's an underrated passer. He's a pretty good rim protector. You know, he kind of does similar things to Favors in that kind of a sense. But, yeah, that's a great so I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind the pick, but I do worry defensively with him and Markinen being on the floor together as their front court. Yeah, because when, when, when Duke did play teams that had – very like average shooters from the outside big man he was very slow contesting a lot of their shots so yeah the defense and footwork is going to be a big issue with window carter so yeah i can see that i can see that yeah it was it was more it was more in line for me like he's brought up his offensive upside is what kind of what kind of drew me towards him um i think like you, you did mention good points about his defense his defense ability is a little bit clunky um that two three defense didn't help him either because of the fact that you know he couldn't really uh, stay on top of the perimeter. It's just his offensive upside is something that you can't ignore, um, especially pairing him up with Laurie Marketing. So it was it was something it was something just to see, and hopefully it'll translate well. You know, playing alongside, especially with Fred Hoiberg still the coach there. So hopefully, uh, Coach Hoiberg can get that defense ability co- ability coached up a little bit better going into this pick. And now, Mark, you have the fun pick. You have the pick that everyone is talking about. What is going to happen? Is it going to keep LeBron in Cleveland? You have the number eight pick, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know if any pick, any of the guys that can get at this pick, it's going to make any difference whether LeBron's going to stay or not. Um, so, you know, just putting that out there before I make the pick, I think LeBron's gone either way. Um but with that being said, you know, I think, you know, the Cavaliers, they're just such a, in, in such an interesting place, not knowing what LeBron's going to do. Um, but you look at their roster, and, you know, their roster just isn't that good, to be honest, right? They're horrible defensively. They need more playmaking. Uh, they need a point guard uh, badly. 
and then they just need more talent. There's just not very much talent outside of Kevin Love and LeBron on that roster. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of different directions they could go, especially considering whatever LeBron's decision is. You know, are you drafting the guy to play next to LeBron? Are you drafting the guy to have after LeBron leaves? Um, you know, I think those are important factors that you need to take into account. But personally, for me, when I look at their situation, you know, I look at their defense. You know, their tw- their defensive rating this past season was 29th in the league, so almost the worst in the league. I don't think there's a guy that they can draft at this stage that's going to fix that for them. And uh, so I think they should just look for the highest upside pick that can fit with LeBron or without LeBron. And uh, to me, the the guy on the board with the most upside that fits the roster the best and would be good there either with LeBron or without him is Trey Young. Um, you know, I know Trey Young is a very polarizing pick, um, and his defense and his size are obvious concerns. But like I mentioned, their defense is already so bad anyways. I wouldn't be too concerned about adding another bad defender to, to that roster. And especially if LeBron leaves, that roster is going to be going into a rebuild. You're going to be bad no matter what. So, you know, I don't, I don't think taking a guy like uh, Mikel Bridges, who's a better defender, uh, you know, pretty good outside shooter, you know, but has a more limit, has a much more limited upside to him uh, would be a smart pick there. And, you know, he's not a guy that you can give the ball to and run your offense through, but Trey Young is. And Trey Young's a high volume, high level elite shooter. Uh, he's a high-level passer with great vision. You know, he can do a lot of things. And if and if he works out, right, kind of like Wendell Carter, like the major concern is his defense. But if that gets figured out, even to like an average level, and then all of his offense translates, then he has the potential to be an all-star and be someone you can build a team around, right? So if I was picking, I, I would pick Trey Young here. Um, I think Michael Porter Jr. is another interesting pick. But personally, I just have too many concerns about his health. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, even with LeBron saying Trey Young shooting uh, could be very, very interesting. And LeBron has even said he wants to play next to a, someone that is a more ball-dominant player that can do more of the playmaking duties for him so he doesn't have to carry that load so much. And Trey Young can definitely do that. And if he is there, then LeBron can just pass him the ball and give him shots off the off, off ball as well. So uh, if I'm making the pick, I'm picking Trey Young and just shooting for the moon with that. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of figured that would be the case here, um, especially with the way things are falling. Um, Trey Young would be a a much welcome addition to Cleveland. Um, I'm with you. I don't think his defense is going to help that horrible defense that's in Cleveland, Cleveland right now. Like you said, they were ranked 29th this past season, and you know, bringing in Trey Young might not be the best move defensively. But to have that type of that caliber offensive player alongside LeBron, if he stays, I mean, I'm with you. I think he's gone either way. Um, I think that would open his eyes a little bit more and seeing if they can keep him in Cleveland. But Trey Young's offensive upside is is high. Um, like we said, very very elite shooter, streaky shooter at that. We saw him. We saw it fall off a little bit during the season playing for Oklahoma. Um, is going to have to work on his decision-making. He turned the ball over heavily in the second half of the season, which pretty much was the conference season for the Big 12. So we'll see We'll see how that translates once he gets to the league, and hopefully he can fix some of that thing, because fix some of those defensive uh, decision-making uh, deficiencies and see where that leads him. So he said if they can fix, fix his defensive, you know, he can be – what you call an all-star. So it's going to be great to see how that, how he fits in Cleveland. Um, 
Because now we move on to the number nine pick, which belongs to Mark. No, not bad, not Mark, to Tim with the New York Knicks. And Tim, you have the uh, you have the ordeal of trying to pick a player that's going to please the fans in New York City, which is probably the hardest thing to do in sports. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. where where do you see that happening for the New York Knicks with the number nine pick? I had um well I, I I it's hard because I thought okay um Michael Porter I thought was gonna be everybody well not everybody's pick but some people's pick just because of the simple fact that I see LeBron leaving as well and I've I would think that the Cavs would want to kind of there's no replacing LeBron but I mean to kind of like maybe fill that position right away so that would be a a more pick for me Trey Young I wanted to see fall to the Knicks because I thought that that would be the player that would please um the fans of New York and Spike Lee so like I think that just because like his, his scoring like he they they can use a point they can use a point guard they don't have really well um Frank um I cannot pronounce his last name I'm not even going to try yeah, so we're just gonna call him Frank. So Frank, I think that he he's a he he's a proven point guard. And they also got Moody. I'm sorry, they also got Manuel Moody. But I mean, to take Trey Young at that at that pick, if he does fall there, we all know maybe the Cavs will take him. So if he does fall there, I I wouldn't see that being a problem. He's he's a proven he has a proven pure shot. His decision making from um, beginning of the season was pretty good to me. Towards the middle of the season, when teams got maybe like a little more feel for him, what he wanted to do, it kind of got a little bad. Um, bringing the ball up court to me, sometimes he shot very quick in the shot clock, very quick in the shot clock, didn't make the defense work. And with his length, I think it's going to be kind of hard for him to check, like you guys said, any, I mean, anybody in the league, far from being 6'2", lack of physicality, lack of strength. But... Um, other than that, I really don't see um, any reason why if he does fall to the Knicks, why the Knicks wouldn't take him. They they need scoring. That would be a good um, a pick and roll, pick and pop player that um, um, Chris Stacks can use. Um, it's a lot of guards over there that if he does go over there, can teach him. You know, slow the game down. Um, like a Jaron Jack, like a um, like a Courtney Lee, somebody could talk to him, let him slow his game down, let him know the shots he's taking, the good shots, the bad shots. But overall, on the defensive end, he has a lot of work to do. We all know that. But his offense is proven. So, like, he has range. He's already hitting NBA three. So, like, it it won't be a problem on the offensive end. We all know he he's a lot of work on the defense. But other than that, I really don't see why the Knicks wouldn't take Trey Young if he falls to the ninth pick. Well, that'll be an issue because. Trey Young right now on our board is in Cleveland. Right, yeah, that's why, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing I really had, I had, like, planned for Trey Young to go knife. Um, Michael Porter, I mean, so Michael Porter, so we could just leave Michael Porter there then. Um, I'll leave Michael Porter there. Michael Porter, like I said, most people are scared because of the health even. So, but even before he got hurt, he was, Maybe top five, top five prospect coming out. Um, great wingspan. He's a great scorer. Um, 
And other than that, yeah, I would take Michael Porter. I was really prepared for Trey Young to go there, so I didn't have really a lot to say about Michael Porter, but I see Michael Porter as a good fit for the Knicks. All right, that's not a, that's not a bad decision. Mark, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, Michael Porter Jr. arguably was going to be the number one pick before the season started and before he right. had that back problem and the surgery. So, you know, if you're if you're the Knicks and you're at number nine and you get a guy that has that much talent and that much upside that falls to you, I think you have to take him. Um, you know, I, I do agree with you that maybe the Knicks could use a point guard. I think Trey Young would have been a good fit there, uh, so I agree with you there. I think Colin Sexton would also be a really interesting option just with, you know, his, his dog mentality. He, ha- he kind of has that New York mentality that I think the fans could get behind. But he obviously has some concerns with his shooting, with his passing, his playmaking, his vision. Right. And, you know, it, again, if you have a guy like Michael Porter Jr. fall to you, I think you have to take a long, hard look at that. You know, his fit next to Chris Epps Brzingis is a little bit interesting, but Brzingis is going to be coming off the ACL injury anyways. Uh, so, you, you know, you're not going to have to worry about that till about halfway through the season. So I think, you know, again, you don't complain if you're in New York. You take the best player on the board. You figure the fit out later. So I would take him, and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't complain about it. So I, I, I like that pick for them. Yeah, I have, I've seen no I see no problem with them taking uh, Michael Porter Jr. there, especially him being the best player on, on the board at that if that pick, if he falls that far. Um his offensive upside is there. His athleticism might be need to get picked up just a little bit more because he's coming off of the back injury. And now we're reading that he's having some hip trouble right now. So we'll definitely see what what's going to happen with him in, in, in the next week or so. Um, but I don't I don't have a problem with Michael Porter Jr. going to the Knicks because if it was up to me. And this is if this is if the draft fell that way, he would have fell to me. He would have fell to the next pick. This is a dream scenario for the Sixers. Um, they have the tenth overall pick, and if Michael Porter Jr. went to the Knicks, then I don't see, I don't see why the Philadelphia 76ers pass on a player like Mikel Bridges. Um, this is a dream, dream scenario for Philadelphia. Because it's just all types of irony there. Played for he grew up in Philadelphia, played for Villanova um, in Philadelphia, won two national titles, and now to see it all come to fruition and he gets drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers, that is a dream scenario for Philly. He is your prototypical uh, three and D type player. Um, some shades of Eddie Jones from early in it, from back in the day during the, uh, the 90s when he's playing for the Lakers a little bit. Um, he's unselfish as unselfish can get. He's one of those. He's one of the older players. He's he was a, he's a junior coming out of Villanova this year. Um, he has the potential for some playmaking ability. He can shoot the ball like no other. Uh, may not have the range like like say a Trey Young, but he shoots the ball and hits his hits his shots at a very high clip. Um, but like I, like I mentioned before, the main thing he's going to bring to Philadelphia is that defensive spark that they were missing with Robert Covington. Cause I don't, I'm not sure what happened to Covington this season. Um, but, uh, Mikel Bridges will be a welcome addition to the Philadelphia 76ers this year. Yeah, I agree. Like you mentioned, I think that's the dream pick. You know, again, he's just a knockdown shooter. He's a 40% three-point shooter for his collegiate career. 
Last season, he shot 44% on six attempts per game. He's just hyper-efficient from everywhere else on the floor. You know, a two-point percentage for his career is 65%. He's an 85% free-throw shooter. He's a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hand, which fits perfectly with Philadelphia, as they already have Ben Simmons uh, and Markel Fultz and some of these other young players that they can use uh, with the ball in their hands a little bit more. And, you, you know, he's going to play that defense. I think his defense, honestly, is a little bit overrated. His foot speed and his quickness isn't as great as people think, but his wingspan, being as long as it is, makes up a lot of the difference on that. So, you know, he's just a perfect glue guy, perfect 3 and D guy. And like you mentioned, Robert Covington just completely disappeared in the playoffs. And so if you have a guy like Mikael Bridges who can come in and hit some shots, especially uh, like Covington sometimes can't do, I think that would add a lot to Philadelphia and their their team moving forward to try and compete for a championship. And especially to get LeBron there, he's just a guy who can play off of LeBron as well. So, I love that pick. It just makes too much sense for them to to pass up on him. Yeah, that makes total perfect sense. Um, because now we move on to Charlotte, and Charlotte is where I had some trouble. Um, I'm not sure how you guys felt about it. This pick falls to Mark with the Charlotte Hornets at the 11th pick. Who do you see the Hornets taking with this pick? Yeah, so the Hornets. They're, they're chronically the most disappointing team in the NBA for me. Uh, they're, they're just so frustrating. They usually have both the top 15 offense and defense, and they have pretty solid players everywhere, but they just can't figure out a way to win. Uh, they have a great point guard, an all-star point guard in, in Kemba Walker. Um, so, you know, again, they're just so frustrating because you look at their team and they're like, you, you, you try and figure out what exactly do they need. They don't have, like, any major glaring weaknesses anywhere other than maybe their bench depth, right? So, so they're kind of an interesting team to look at. But if you do kind of dig into their team and their numbers, obviously a lot of their players are getting older. They're going to need to find some replacements uh, for guys like Dwight Howard. Uh, you know, Frank Kaminsky is not a great uh, option for a replacement for Dwight Howard. So maybe you think they look for a young big. But you also look at their wings. You know, MKG is not a shooter. Nicholas Batum has been a disappointment. He's getting over. Uh, Marvin Williams is a stretch four. Combo Ford is also getting older. So they have a lot of positions like that that they may look to try and replace. And even on shooting guard, uh, you know, they don't really have a great shooting guard there. Jeremy Lamb had a great season for them this last year, but Malik Monk had a very disappointing rookie season. So, you know, again, maybe another option that they could look there to try and fit a positional need. But honestly, like the biggest weakness with their team and with their roster is that they're just not a very good three-point shooting team. Uh, and they, they just don't take a lot of threes, especially in today's game. This past season, they took the ninth fewest threes per game in the league out of any team. Um, at about 27 per game. And, you know, most teams are about 30 or above now. That's kind of the average. And so I think they could really use a guy who can come in, you know, maybe at one of those guard positions or a wing position that could add some more three-point shooting and help space the floor for Kemba Walker, for Dwight Howard, uh, for whatever they decide to do there. And so to me, uh, just looking at the picks and the guys left on the board, you know, they don't need a point guard, obviously, with Kemba there. And so I think that rules out Colin Sexton. And to me, the next, most talented guy on the board that fits their roster is Lonnie Walker. Uh, he's a guy that has tons of athleticism, great size, great wingspan for a shooting guard. And he's underrated as a playmaker off the dribble, underrated as an elite defender. He's got a buttery smooth jump shot. Didn't really fall at a high rate in college this past season. But to me, he's got a ton of upside. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a top 10 player in this draft. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a top 10 shooting guard in the league, if he's in the right situation, I think, um, but with there with Charlotte, with the coaching staff there, the new coaching staff, I think that'd be a good fit for him on the roster with some established veterans that can kind of help coach him along. And so I think that three-point shooting, just overall his athleticism and dynamicism, really add a lot to Charlotte there. So 
Uh, to me, the pick would be Lonnie Walker. That is not a bad pick at all. Tim, what do you think about Lonnie Walker going to Charlotte? Uh, Lonnie Walker, I had actually had him going to um, the Wizards at um, 15, but um, I don't disagree with the pick at all. Um, he didn't get off to a great start his freshman year, but he uh, – but to me, I, he's 6'4". He's 6'4", um, averaged 14 points in Miami the last – I think last four or five games, um, he only shot 34% from the three. But like um, Mark said, he's very athletic, great upside. So I think I wouldn't mind. I don't disagree with that pick at all. Yeah, that was that was kind of my mindset too. Um, at first, I thought Colin Sex would go to 11, but like Mark already mentioned, they don't really need a point guard. They still got Kemba Walker there. They're going to right. need some wing players. Um, like you said, Batum's getting up there in age. Marvin Williams is getting up there in age, and Marvin Williams more of a stretch four. MKG was more of your, you know, defensive guy. He was never seen as a guy who could put the ball in the basket. So, getting a player with the caliber of Lonnie Walker at that pick is not a bad choice. It's actually a pretty good choice, in my opinion. And with that, because that'll be a that'll be a good fit to fit alongside someone like Kimba Walker, so that it could take some pressure off of him scoring wise. Um, and then you pair him up with Malik Monk Kim, and Kemba Walker with Malik Monk, the way he came on towards the end of the season, you know, you build on his upside and then you bring in Lonnie Walker to help bring that up a little bit more. And I think Charlotte can start to perform a little bit better on the wings with that situation with those two players. Um, so that's not a bad pick at all at that spot. And now we move on to the 12th pick, which belongs to the Clippers. This is their first of back-to-back picks in the first round. And, Tim, this pick falls to you. Who do you see the Clippers taking with the number 12 pick? Um, With the 12th pick, I have the Clippers taking Kevin Knox. And hmm. the reason the reason why I got them taking Kevin Knox is because, for one, his age. Kevin Knox is only 18. So, at 14, it's not really like you are expecting Kevin Knox to come in and perform right away especially with the roster that they have at the three and at the two. They still have Lou Williams there, still have Wesley Johnson, Tobias Harris, and um, Danilo Gallinari. So with those guys pending any injury, if they stay healthy, it's not like you would expect him to play a major role right away. Um, his three-point percentage wasn't as good as you would want it for it to be as a wing from the plan of two or the three, but it wasn't like, his mechanics or his shot was like wrong or off. It's just that he wasn't hitting as much as they expected. Um, he's six nine. He's a very NBA frame, kind of like a strong frame, not really like NBA frame ready already. Um, he averaged fifteen points, five rebounds. Played a lot of minutes, a lot of minutes in um, Kentucky. Kind of, I never really, barely seen him off the floor for Kentucky. So he has a high motor. Um, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna blossom into maybe give him a two, three years. He'll be a good wing player into the NBA, in the NBA. So, with that pick, I I got them taking Kevin Knox. What you guys think, Mark? You can take it this one because I don't. I don't see. I I didn't think Kevin Knox would fall. Um, he would. I didn't think he would go this early as I would as as I should say. Um, I thought he was gonna fall a little bit further, maybe towards the Withers at fifteen. Um, cause I think the, I think it was one thing the Clippers would need. They would take it this first pick be either a big or a point guard. Um, 
but I can see them making that work because like he like Tim mentioned, and I think yeah. this is a good thing for him. He's his offensive upside, and he's like right. that he's like that good small ball type three four type player for the Clippers. And I'm we glad you mentioned that. that you said that you think they need a point guard because with that um I I it was between him and um Gildress Alexander with that pick, but I didn't think. I just didn't think that they would want – I mean, I know that they need a point guard, but with Patrick Beverly, Avery Bradley, that mainly he's on the ball most of the time, and with still um, Lou and Austin Rivers over there, I just didn't think that they would want a, a point guard of that nature to, like, maybe handle the rock. So, I mean, you're right. That would be a good pick for them to get a point guard too. So, I'm glad you did mention that as well. Yeah, well, and the nice thing is they get back-to-back picks, right? So one of these right. picks could be that point guard. And so, right. you know, Kevin Knox, I actually liked him quite a bit. I have him ranked 13th overall on my big board. I think just his athleticism, his potential to shoot the ball, his size, right. his length, especially as a positional four that can either be a stretch four or a shot creating four. He kind of reminds me of Trey Lyles, but with more athleticism. Neither right. him or Trey Lyles are much of a passer and a playmaker for others, but he can really make some things happen as a shooter and driving to the basket and playing above the rim. So I think he's got great potential there. So I, I'm okay with the pick. I think it's a little bit of an interesting fit with the Clippers, um, just, you know, with Tobias Harris being there. But then again, you know, the Clippers decide to try and make a move this offseason for like a Kawhi Leonard or some other big star and they end up using Tobias as a trade piece. You know, then you can plug Kevin Knox right into that role. And so I think, you know, again, he's got that talent. If you really believe in it, then I'm totally cool with you taking him uh, this high in the draft. So. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. Um, but that's the beauty of the Clippers. They have back to back first round picks and you know, but Kevin Knox going with number uh at number twelve, um, thirteen, um, it kinda kinda makes it hard for me because the one thing I did say they also need a point guard, but the one thing they also need at this point is another big man because we don't know what DeAndre Jordan's situation is gonna be. Um, this offseason, he has a player. He has a player option for uh, next season, and with him showing some growing frustration playing in, for the Clippers right now, I'm not sure what this move is going to be. Um, it's going to be hard trying to gauge him with his situation. So it's going to be this. This pick kind of put me in a jam because I see I see either Colin Sexton, Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander, or Robert Williams as a possible pick. For the Clippers at number thirteen, with the way yeah, the Rob board Williams is going right now, right. Uh, the way I probably see it going, if it was up to me, if I had to pick between the three, I would probably go with uh, Colin Sexton out of Alabama. Um, his he we we had mentioned this in the previous podcast beforehand. We were talking about some prospects who, you know, between the better point guards that are up there in the draft board right now. And my my favorite was Colin Sexton, uh, you know, prototype score first type point guard. Um, but the thing that gets me is his defensive side. Um, it could be it's it's one of the it's one of the better defensive guards in the draft this year. Um, but the one thing that really caught my eye with Colin Sexton is he is relentless. He does not give up. He plays with all types of intensity, you know, in his game and the fact that he can score, you know, just got to work on his playmaking, just a, just to just get his playmaking up. Um, one of the things that's on that's big on him is his on the ball defense. You know, he gave he gave a lot of point guards in the SEC this past season fits because he was a 
he was a pit bull on that floor for them. Now, if you get him playing for the Clippers with Doc Rivers, who can help him teach him how to uh, control that intensity and have him play some smart basketball to go along with it, Colin Sexton could be a a very good point guard in the, in the NBA this year. And I think going to the Clippers could be a good fit for him. What do you what do you think about that pick? Yeah, I'm a big Colin Sexton guy. Like I've mentioned before, he's just a dog. He just works hard. He's ultra competitive. He's a guy that I would bet on his personality to improve, to be coachable, to work hard on defense, to not take possessions off. Uh, so I, I really like that pick. I think Patrick Beverly would be a great, great mentor for him. And then, like you mentioned, I think Doc Rivers as well would be a tremendous coach for him to learn under. And, you know, to me, he was the best talent left on the board. He fit a positional need for the Clippers. So I, yeah, I, I absolutely totally agree. Uh, I think he'd be a great pick at this stage. Yeah, that would make that would make some perfect sense. Um, we already talked about how you know Kevin Knox is that good small ball three four, and to bring in a point guard like Colin Sexton, that's two that's two high motor guys who are young, who are very very good on both ends of the floor. You got Kevin Knox, who is a very high upside player on offense, and you bring in a guy like Colin Sexton, who's a very high upside guy on defense, and you combine that motor, I think that'll be a good young nucleus coming in for the Clippers, so maybe that can fix DeAndre Jordan, because I think he takes his player option, so I'm not too concerned with the Clippers not picking a big man at that spot, but we'll definitely see how that goes, because some things could change coming up into the in the, in the next couple of days for the Clippers, but we'll move right along well, here. And I would say this too. I wouldn't even worry that much. Even if he does opt out, I think Montrose Harrell, uh, that's already on the Clippers. He played extremely well for them this past season. I think he could fill very similar roles as Yandre Jordan. Uh, so I think they could fill that even within their own roster already. So I think, yeah, I think the guard position is greater positional need than, than the big man there. So. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad you mentioned that because now we move on to the 14th pick, and that belongs to the Denver Nuggets, Mark. And you have this pick, so what do you see the Nuggets doing with this with this draft? Because they build along that. Yeah, so I think this has actually turned out to be about as well as it could be for for the Denver Nuggets. I think the guy that to me was number one on their board as a realistic prospect for them here at 14 has fallen to them. And that's Shai Gilgis Alexander. Uh, He's a guard that, you know, he has great size. He's six foot six in shoes with nearly a seven foot wingspan. Uh, He's a very high level shooter for as as young of a guard player as he is, you know, this past season, he didn't take a lot of threes, which is a little bit concerning. He only took one and a half per game, but he shot him at 40%. uh, So that's great to see. And you need that in Denver's offense, especially with Jokic on the floor. You want to be able to space the floor for him and give him some shooters to pass the ball out to. But he's also a high-level pick-and-roll player. He's a pick-and-roll ball handler this past season. Shai Gilgis Alexander was in the 86th percentile as far as scoring attempts, but he does show pretty good vision at times. He does need to work on his decision-making, but it's there. I think the biggest concern with him is uh, is his explosive athleticism, especially vertically speaking. He's not a guy that plays above the rim. He's not going to go in and dunk on somebody. Kind of reminds me of Shake Milton in that same uh, build where he's tall and long for a point guard, but not very vertically explosive. You know, he does have some crafty finishes around the basket, which I think will really help him. But he was only 64th. He's only in the 64th percentile in his finishes around the basket this year uh, that weren't post-ups. So there is some concern there. But with his outside shooting, with his positional defensive versatility, with his length and his quick feet and his ball handling and his ability to run the pick and roll as a secondary 
uh, guard option. I think he'd be a tremendous fit next to uh, Jamal Murray. And I think, you know, Jamal Murray's a great guard, but I don't really see him as a point guard. You know, you can run the, the offense through him a little bit, but overall I think you need more of a lead guard on their team to, to, to play him next to. And I think Shy can definitely do that, but you can also play Shy off the ball with his shooting and with his size. So to me, that's just a natural fit there. And I think he fits their up-tempo offense really, really well. So I think the Denver Nuggets would be super happy uh, to get Shy Gildas Alexander right here. And that would be my pick for them. That's not a bad pick at all. Um, Tim, now we move on. This is the hometown team for me and you. Um, yep. It's the Washington Wizards at number 15, and you should be proud because this pick falls to you. Um, who do you see the Wizards going with at 15? Well, I want them to go with Dante um, DiVincenzo, um from Villanova, the junior. The reason why, because I felt as though we, the Wizards was hurt with Bill being off the court, even if it was for – Injury purposes, um, just fatigue-wise or foul trouble, I think we was hurt, especially in the playoffs, going into the playoffs without Jody Minks because of um, the suspension. And even in years past, we's never, we haven't had that, that backup two-guard that can even give Bill a break if he wanted one. So, like, and um, as we all know, Dante can score coming off the bench. He's always ready, kind of like a young J.R. Smith. He comes out ready to shoot. High energy on the offensive and defensive end. He's six six, well six five, um, can be six six on a good day. Um, Thirty one points in the national um, championship game, so he is he, he's not scared of the lights. So I just feel like I hope that we take Dante from Villanova. What you guys think about that pick? That is a surprise pick. Um, I did not see or expect Divincenzo to come this early off the board. But then again, it's the Wizards. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, <laughs> took that pick with Dante DiVincenzo. He is he is a fearless player coming on the wing for because he did a lot of a uh, lot of playmaking for Villanova this past season. So it's going to be good to see if he can bring some of that playmaking ability into. And he the got springs. Wizards. He can jump. Yeah, definitely. He's very athletic, so it'll be definitely to see if he can bring that upside over to over to the uh to the Withers. Uh Mark, what do you think about this this type of surprise pick this early in the draft? Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I, I really like Dante. Um I actually have him ranked down at twenty seventh on my big board, so this to me is a little bit of a reach, but like you guys mentioned, you know, he's a competitor, he's fearless, he's an elite athlete. I am a little bit worried about his size. You know, he's only about 6'5". He's only got about a 6'6 wingspan, so he's not super long. So I think defensively he's going to struggle a little bit. I think he's going to struggle to finish around the basket. He's not, uh, you know, despite being so explosive and athletic, he's not a guy that's going to go up and put a guy on a poster, right, or jump over the top of a seven-footer. So, you know, I think his shooting really has to come through to to, to have him be successful in the NBA. But he is a pretty good pick-and-roll player. He's an underrated passer with underrated vision. You saw some of that throughout the season. And of course, in the championship game, he had a lot of really good passes there. And if you look at his pick and roll numbers from this past season, he was in the 97th percentile uh, on 51 uh, scoring attempts. So, you know, that's, that's really encouraging to see, especially with his passing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate the pick. I think the Wizards need some bench depth uh, and more shooting and just more talent overall. So I can see, I can see the fit there. 
I think maybe like a Robert Williams would have been really interesting there as well, especially with the the need for a big man, a young big man in their rotation with uh, Yamahimi, uh, you know, not being very much, <laughs> very much help there this past season. Right. And, you know, they don't really have a, an answer for a big guy uh, with all their other big aging uh, here moving forward. And so, uh, you know, so I would have thought that would have been an interesting pick, but, you know, I like Dante, so I can't complain about it too much. So uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what the Wizards do. I thought Robert Williams would be a good fit as well, but again, like I like I mentioned before, Dante Divincenzo would would be a surprise to come that early. But then, like I said, it's the Wizards; they can surprise us with a lot of things, and that player could turn out to be a good production type of player for that team. So we'll definitely see how that pans out. Because now we move on; we got the 16th pick of the draft. This is the Phoenix Suns' second pick of the first round, and they don't necessarily need to go big man here because they already picked up DeAndre Ayton with the uh, with the first pick in the draft. So in this case, I think it's time for them to start looking towards some wing players here. And you you have some flexibility here because there are a lot of wing players that are that have fallen this far in the draft, and it's going to be interesting interesting to see who goes and who's be who'll be available for them at this at this pick. Um, it'll be big to see. And I think if it was up to me, um, they're going to need a point guard. So I don't see why you don't pick Troy Brown out of Oregon. Um, Troy Brown was essential for Oregon this past season. And I was kind of stuck. I wasn't sure which way to go with this. I was, I was on the fence at either Troy Brown or, um, Ah, his name is on the tip of my tongue here. Uh, uh, wasn't it? Oh, uh, Aaron Holiday out of UCLA. He was high. He was. He's been. He's been flying up the draft boards, and it's been. It was kind of difficult for me to to make this decision, but I figured you would go more with Troy Brown just because of his age and what he can do on the defensive end. Um. He's also a very good creator with the basketball. He was that's one of his big things is his playmaking ability and his size. He's another big point guard like Shea Gilders Alexander. He's also 6'6. And he also brings that playmaking ability to go along with it. He's a very strong, he's a very strong player, very strong point guard. And he has the IQ that he can make a lot of plays that a lot of that a lot of uh, point guards most days can't make coming this coming out of the draft this early, so it'll be definitely interesting to see what Troy Brown can do. So I think that'll be a good pick for the Phoenix Suns. What do you think about that pick? Yeah, you know Troy Brown's interesting. I I actually just finished his in-depth scouting report for our website over at the five by five dot com. I'm not as high on Troy Brown, and one of the reasons is he's just an atrocious shooter. Um, I understand that, you know, the, the vision and the passing, the hustle there, he's got a high motor, he's got great intangibles, he's got pretty good size at six foot six with a six seven wingspan. Uh, but I think as a wing player in today's game, and I see him more as a wing than a guard, um, it, as a wing player, I think you just have to be able to shoot, right? And, you know, if you look at his shooting numbers, he was in like the bottom 35 percentile in essentially every shooting category, some of them much lower than that. And he's got some funky things going on with his mechanics. And then he's just not really a very explosive athlete. You know, you go look at his combine testing numbers. He only posted a 33-inch max vertical, only a 26-inch standing uh, vertical. 
Uh, there's some things biomechanically speaking about his body that I'm worried about that where I'm not convinced that as he gets older and matures more, he's going to be able to become more explosive. So, you know, I think for him, he's got a very narrow window to succeed in the NBA. And I think he has to develop his jump shot. And I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, defensively, he's great. His passing is great. So if you can put him in some pick and rolls, give him some opportunities that way, I think he'd be interesting. But he is a very high upside pick. If he figures those things out, he could be great. Um, so I, I I don't disagree with him being picked there. I had him lower on my board at about 20th. Um, but, yeah, I, I like him. I just have some major concerns with him. But I'm totally okay with Phoenix taking him at this point as a high upside pick. Yeah, it's not it's it's not a bad pick, and this is why I struggle with this pick because of the fact that his playmaking ability. Um, that's one thing that I look for in a point guard, and he has some of that playmaking ability that would be key for for playing with it bigs like uh, DeAndre Ayton, and you know with the wing players that they have and Devin Booker and Josh Jackson. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see with that pick. But I, again, like I said, I struggled with this pick because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go with either him or Aaron Holiday or even a Kyrie uh, uh, Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton. So it was it was difficult to make this decision because I wasn't sure. So I just went with the gut feeling and what I would look for in a point guard in this situation. But I'm glad we you know moved on because that that'll that'll be interesting to pick to see what happens with them. And then now we move on. We have the Bucks at number 17. Mark, who do you see the Bucks taking with the 17th overall pick? Yeah, so I think the Bucks are in a good position here. I think the two things of need is shooting, outside shooting specifically. They were 25th in the NBA in three-point attempts per game this past season. They were the sixth worst team in the NBA in their three-point percentage shooting at 35.5%. Uh, but despite that, their offensive rating was still a top 10 uh, rating in the league. So you know, even though that is a need, it's not as great of a need as their defense, so specifically a defensive big man. If you look at the numbers of their team this past season, they were 19th in the NBA in their defensive rating. They were 29th in the NBA in their defensive rebounding percentage, which is just not good enough for a playoff team. And then they were the 16th worst in uh, two-point field goal percentage defense against opposing teams. So that's where they're really missing that rim-protecting big. And so to me at this stage, with those two things in mind, I think the defensive big man is more – uh, more of a need. I don't think John Henson, I don't think Tyler Zeller or Thon Maker uh, are really the answers for their uh, their roster there unless Maker somehow takes some major steps forward. So to me, the pick would be Robert Williams the third. Uh, he's a, an athletic big, kind of in the mold of a DeAndre Jordan. He's a lob catch threat. He's a, he's a rim protector. Very, very athletic. Very, very long. Very explosive. Not a good shooter at all. Uh, so I would never count on that, but uh, you know, if he can figure things out, there's some questions about his motor. And that's I'm kind of lower on him in that sense. He's 26 on my big board because I just don't buy into his personality and his motor overall. But I think at this stage in the draft, his upside, his fit with the roster, as that defensive anchor big man that can rebound, block some shots, run the floor in the Bucks system, I think he makes a lot of sense for them there. And they just really need that center. And they, they just haven't been able to find it yet. And I think he could be the answer. So for the Bucks at 17, I would go for Robert Williams the third. All right, that's not a bad pick. Now, Tim, I'm kind of jealous of you because you got my team's pick. You got the Spurs pick at number 18. So with everything that's been going on with this draft ball, who do you see the Spurs picking at number 18? Um, yeah, 18, even though with the talks of, um, about Kawhi leaving, um, I would say that with that being said, I still think that they would go point guard with um, even with um, Devontae Murray being there, 
the um we all know the door's closing on Tony Parker. Like he's coming to an end. So um I think that they will use their first round pick on a point guard. So um I would take the international guy El um Eli Okabu, I guess, if I'm pronouncing it right. I know he's a six two point guard, um six eight wingspan from France. He's highest going with a 44-point playoff game. Um, reliable jumper. He's a great ball handler. So I think that they would take him with that um, first-round pick. Um, his weaknesses, he needs development as a playmaker. But we all know Pop. With Pop being, with him being over with Pop, that wouldn't be too much of a thing to fix up. His shot selection um, is a question also. But at the NBA level, I'm sure that that will kind of balance itself out with the people that's around him. So with that pick, I think they would take a point guard. And he seems like to be the best fit that's still available on the board. Yeah, Eli Kobo would, wouldn't be a bad pick. If it's one thing the Spurs have been known for, they have been known for drafting a lot of international guys we've seen in the past. Uh, Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili. So, and then now Patty Mills, who's been one of the latest international guys. Even though Patty Mills played ball for uh, St. Mary's, you know, he still that he still has that international flavor. And that's one thing people admire about the Spurs is they're making sure they get the right fit for the guy, whether they play international or not. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see Eli Okoa, San Antonio Spurs. What do you think about that pick there, Mark? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Okobo. I have him 19th on my big board. He's arguably the most complete point guard prospect in this draft. I also think you can play him off ball a little bit with his uh, three-point shooting. You know, he's just a really smart player, really complete player. He can run the pick and roll either as a primary ball handler or as a secondary ball handler. He's pretty athletic, has pretty good size, definitely fits the mold for a San Antonio team uh, with, you know, the international player, the high cerebral players. And, you know, he's a good kid. He's really well-spoken, so I could definitely see him fitting there. And he'd be an interesting fit uh, next to DeJounte Murray, who can struggle to shoot the ball uh, at times. And so, you know, I think Okobo's biggest weakness is his defense, and that's Murray's strongest point. And then so all of the, the strengths that Okobo has complement Murray and vice versa. So I think that would be a pretty dynamic combo of guards for uh, San Antonio to move forward with. And so I really like that pick for them. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all. Um, you know, I could have went with uh, a lot of different guys at that pick. But the fact that, like you said, they mentioned his defensive ability, um, very good playmaker coming off the ball. So it'll be good to see the San Antonio Spurs because now we move on to the 19th pick. This is the Atlanta Hawks' second pick of the first round. And the one thing I think they're going to need because we're not sure of Dennis Schroeder's uh, situation in Atlanta right now is they're going to need some point guard play. This just some guard play overall. Um, we already know they already addressed one of the uh, big uh, big man picks early in the draft when they picked Jaron Jackson. Um, you paired him up with John Collins, and now you bring in a point guard or another type of guard who's going to be a bull, who's going to be a pit bull type player for the uh, for the Atlanta Hawks this year. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this pick. But if it was up to me, they select. Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton. Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton is a is another pit bull type guard, very aggressive, very relentless. 
um, high motor, very good score, very, very good defender um, for Creighton this past year. And it's going to be good to see how that skill set skill set translates into the NBA playing for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, just imagine pairing that up with Jaron Jackson, who will be able to defend the paint. And then now you got another player in Kyrie Thomas who can defend the wing and also put buckets up for your team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic happen. So I would say the Atlanta Hawks take Kyrie Thomas with this pick. What do you guys think of that pick? Yeah, I like Kyrie. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of Creighton this year. They were one of my favorite teams to watch. I loved uh, watching him play. He's just a knockdown shooter. He's a plus 40% career three-point shooter. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. He's a two-time defensive player of the Big Ten, which I think speaks volumes. Uh, you know, that's a hard conference to do that in. And so his defense, you know, especially with his length, is something I think is going to translate to the NBA, especially with his shooting as well. I think he can be a 3 and D guard type. I don't think he's a Marcus Smart guy where he can switch on the bigs. You know, I don't think he's that big and strong, but he's definitely a guy who can switch one through three. And, uh, you know, if you can get a guy like that who can make uh, three-point shots at this stage in the draft, I think you, you have a hard time passing someone up like that. I think his creation off the dribble and his pick-and-roll offense is concerning. But, you know, again, people this, players at this stage in the draft are not perfect, and so that's something you can either develop or minimize in his role and play him more off-ball. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of him. I like him. He's 28th on my big board. Personally, he's a little bit older. Little bit and there's older. some bigger, younger players that are good shooters and pretty good defenders that I like a little bit more at this stage in the draft. But he's a really solid pick here in the mid to late first round. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all. Um, you know, and the way this draft is going so far, it's been, especially for especially the way our mock draft has been going, it's been interesting, interesting to see the way some of these picks have been going so far. And we've, and you know, I've had some, I've had a tough time having to re reshuffle my picks to see where certain players are going. Um, but it'll definitely see the way with the way Kyrie Thomas, I think that'll be a good fit for Atlanta. Um, but we'll definitely see how that works out. And now we move on. We have the 20th pick of the, of this year's NBA draft. And that belongs to the, I believe it belongs to the uh, Timberwolves at number twenty. Yeah. And Mark, that falls that that falls to you, Mark. Who do you see the Timberwolves picking with this, making this with this pick? Yeah, so I think the Wolves are in a good position here. I think there are two things that, that they need are shooting and defense. This past season, they were thirtieth, so dead last in the NBA in three point attempts per game. They were the eleventh worst in three point percentage at thirty six percent. But again, their offense was pretty good despite that. They were uh, in the top five in offensive rating despite their poor shooting. But obviously their defense is a huge issue. They're 27th in the league this past season. Uh, with their defensive rating, they were 29th worst in defending uh, two-point shots or two-point percentage against opponents or their opponent's two-point percentage uh, was very, very high. And uh, so they definitely had some issues there that they got to figure out. But, you know, looking at the board, I don't necessarily see uh, a guy that can be a defensive game changer for them. Maybe a guy like Melvin Frazier Jr., uh, would be interesting for them on the wing, who plays really, really tough defense, is arguably the best on-ball defender in the draft, maybe outside of Javon Carter. Um, so I think he would be an interesting pick here. But, you know, you look at who's left on the board, and you see Kevin Herter from Maryland, a guy who can play uh, a two, three, or four, in my opinion. He's an elite shooter. He's an underrated defender, has great size. He's still very, very young. I think he would be a great pick for them, especially with their needs and more three-point shooting. 
So to me, I'd pick Kevin Herter and uh, just trust in his shooting. 88th percentile spot-up shooting. Uh, as a pick-and-roll ball handler, he was pretty underrated. He's about average this past season, but I think, you know, he grew up playing point guard when he was younger, so I think there's some potential there. And then he had an underrated isolation game this year. He was in the 100th percentile, even though he's only uh, had 20 scoring attempts in isolation this past season. But, you know, I think overall he's got a lot of upside. Great personality, very, very, very smart kid. And, uh, you know, I think at 20, he's a great pick that any team could use with his combination of defense, size, versatility, and just high basketball IQ. So, to me, for the Timberwolves, at number 20, the pick would be Kevin Herter. Yeah, that's not a bad pick after all. Um, Kevin Herter has been making a lot of noise uh, flying up draft boards the this for the past couple of weeks. The main thing that people pay attention to is the fact that he can shoot the lights out the gym. Um, that's that's one of the things that caught my eye with him this past season. Um, I think he was like a 43% three-point shooter for Maryland this year. He has the size. He's 6'7". Um, and you pair that up with what they already have in Minnesota. You put some shooters around Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Jimmy – excuse me, and Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague, and that'll be a good fit. That'll be a good fit for him playing in uh, – in Minnesota. So I don't, I don't disagree with that pick at all. Um, you know, the only thing that I would probably have the concern with is even though his, you know, that long, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that translates well and how that, that translates for, um, for uh, the Timberwolves with the 20th overall pick in this year's draft. And, you know, now we move on because now we move on to the 21st pick and that belongs to the Jazz. And Tim, that pick falls to you. Who do you see the Jazz taking with this uh with that pick? Oh, uh, with that pick, I got the Jazz taking Chad Hutchinson from Boise State. Hmm. And the reason why I got them taking Chad Hutchinson from Boise State, I mean I I I'm a fan of the four year guys just for the simple fact that I feel like when you you kind of like stay for years. I feel like you get the full, you get the full knowledge of the game itself, just from leaving being the one and done guys, not knocking the one and done guys. Um, Hutchinson game on the offensive end, I think is 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 pretty is pretty polished to me. Um, he led the team in t- uh, points, rebounds, assists, and steals. He had a forty-four point game against San Diego State. He had ten games out of the 31 games that he played with five or more assists. So his passing and um, vision on the court is pretty good. Um, with with the game, the way the NBA level is going, I think that he'll be productive because of the, the different things he can do on the court, even being a third and fourth option. So, But even with you being at Utah, I don't think that he would be a third and fourth option. They need scoring. I mean, they have shooters with Joe Ingles, and I think he'll complement. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, he will complement. Um, God, I cannot think of his name at all. Um, and it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, the guard for Utah. I'm sorry, I cannot think of his name at all. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell. I'm sorry, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, he would um, complement Donovan Mitchell very well. So, with that pick, I would take um, Hutchinson from Boise State. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all. Like, um, I didn't get the chance to read much on Chandler Hutchinson because I wasn't sure 
what was going to happen with um, that pick, but Mark, maybe you can get some clarity on Chandler Hutchinson for me. Yeah, so I, I really like Chandler Hutchinson. I'm quite a bit higher on him than most people. I have him 17th overall on my big board. He is older, um, and so, you know, his upside is arguably not as high. But, you know, especially going into the Jazz, the Jazz have proven that they can work with older players and help them to develop. Joe Ingles, like you mentioned, is a great example of that. He was not a very good shooter or defender when he showed up in Utah, but now he's one of the best three-point shooters and, def- and perimeter defenders in the league. Uh, you know, so I think he fits their culture really well. I love his versatility, his size. You know, his, his spot of shooting's concerning. He wasn't a great shooter all throughout college even this past year. You know, he was in the 69th percentile of spot of shooting. But if you go and you look at his unguarded shots, his catch and shoot from the half court, he was in the 91st percentile. And playing with a team like Utah, his offense is designed to help guys get open looks, and especially playing off Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who are going to draw a lot of attention. I think he'll get a lot more looks. Uh, that are wide open like that, he'll be able to knock them out at a high level. And, of course, he's, just vers- he's very versatile. He can run the pick and roll. He can score at the rim. Uh, I think his ability to attack off the dribble is perhaps his biggest strength. He finished at the rim at a high level at the 85th percentile this past season. So, yeah, to me, he fits Utah's culture. He's a very uh, skilled and versatile player on the wing, and I think every team in the NBA could use a guy like that. So I, I'm totally okay with that pick. Yeah, that would be a, definitely a good pick for uh, Utah. Like you said, him playing off of Donovan Mitchell would be a good look for him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there and to see if uh, if they can make that work. Because like you said, with the shooters they already have and what they already have inside of Rudy Gobert, I think Chandler Hutchinson would probably be a very good pick going into Utah with that pick. Because now we got, we're moving on. We got the 22nd pick, and that falls to the, uh, that's the Bulls' second pick of the first round. And this is where it gets tricky because now we have, we have some flexibility here. Um, with everything that's happened so far in our, the way our draft has been going, um, Chicago, as we remember, we had Chicago taking, I believe they took Wendell Carter. So there's no need to worry about getting a big. Now you want to go get a wing who is a, you know, high, high energy, high athletic type of um, wing player. And with this pick, I think they go get Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech. Um, young, athletic, very high defensive guy. Um Got to work on his, got to work on his shooting ability. Um, got to build that up just a little bit more. But again, um, what he brings to the table is his athleticism, is the fact that he can, um, he can defend multiple positions between the one, two, and the three for, um, depending on the opposing players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Zaire Smith fits into the Chicago Bulls scheme. Um, if, you, if you've seen a couple mock drafts on this late, a little bit early, but I think the fact that he fell to the Bulls at 22 is kind of like a is, is like a blessing in disguise for Chicago. Um, what do you guys think of Zaire Smith going to Chicago? I'm okay with the pick. He's a very high upside pick. I have a lot of concerns about him. Uh, his game is often described as being like a four. Uh, but he's a, a shooting guard or a point guard, even with his size. And I think that's very concerning. His ball handling, his skills off the dribble are very, very limited. And that's really concerning to me as a guard. 
Uh, his shooting is very unproven. He shot it at a high clip this last season, but not on a whole lot of volume. He was like a third or fourth option on a, on a good Texas Tech team, so I'm a little bit worried about him stepping into a larger role against higher competition. And arguably his best skill is offensive rebounding, and I just don't think that's going to translate very well, especially with his size in the NBA. So he's got a long, long, long ways to go in terms of skill development. But that being said, like you mentioned, he's arguably the best athlete in this in this draft class, so his upside is there, especially at a young age. So, you know, when you're a team like Chicago, you're in a rebuild, you've already made a good pick earlier in the draft, you can take a chance on a guy like that, a high high potential but a high bust chance player. And so I think at this stage in the draft you'd be happy to get a guy like that. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's not a bad it's not a it's not a bad pick, like you said. I'm with you. Um his office ability is gonna be that much of a question mark, but again, because his athleticism and his defensive ability can help mask that offensive um his offensive development that's gonna need some work once he gets to the NBA, I think he'll be just fine. So they'll be able to figure that out. Um, but we'll definitely see how that works out in Chicago because now we move on to the 23rd pick, and that belongs to the Indiana Pacers. Mark, you have this pick. Where do you see the Pacers going with this pick, the way the draft has been falling for us? Yeah, so the Pacers obviously had a great season this last year. They have several different needs, uh, especially with you know what happens with their roster this season. I think that is his young decision, whether he's going to pick up his player option or not. Uh, you know That could influence what they do. Uh, here moving forward you know they have some good young bigs and Sabonis and Turner but they don't really have any uh, big depth so maybe they look for a big but I also think primarily they need some shot making and shot creation around Victor Oladipo I think and a, and a secondary ball handler you know Carlson did a great job there this past season but he's going to be a uh, unrestricted free agent here in this upcoming offseason so he may not be sticking around that much longer so I think you uh, probably look for a guard or a wing that can help bolster their perimeter offense and uh, add that much-needed shooting and shot creation and pick-and-roll offense and initiation around Victor Oladipo and give him some help there. And, you know, I really like Chandler Hutchinson here for them, but he got picked earlier by the Utah Jazz. And, you know, looking down here the list at the, at the other wings, I think they probably need a wing more than a guard, but the other wings available. Uh, they're more defensive-minded, like a Melvin Frazier Jr., even a Keita Bates-Diop. He can't really create a lot off the dribble. I see him more as a stretch four. Uh, you know, Grayson Allen, I think, would be a very interesting pick here. Uh, as a combo guard, uh, but, you know, there's some questions about his defense, and there's actually a guy that is very similar to Grayson Allen that I like a lot more, and that's Jerome Robinson from Boston College. He's, to me, arguably one of the best, if not the best shooter in the entire draft. He's just super versatile with the shooting off the dribble, off screens, off spot-ups. Uh, you know, he's in the 84th or higher percentile on essentially every uh, shooting metric on synergy. You look at his pick-and-roll ball handling numbers and the score, he's in the 94th percentile. Six foot six, good size, good length, really good athlete, very, very mature. He fits that Indiana Pacers type culture. You know, I think his playmaking, his shooting with his size uh, could be really, really good next to Oladipo. So to me, I would go with Jerome Robinson. His defense is a little bit of a question, but I think overall, just the upside with his offense and his fit next to Oladipo makes too much sense. And to me, he's the best. That'll, on the that'll board. definitely. Yeah, I think so, yeah, that'll I, definitely I be a good. Jerome. No, 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 I was, I was, I'm actually agreeing with that. That'll definitely be a good fit for the uh, Indiana Pacers here. Um, you know, bringing in and bringing in a player like Jerome Robinson would definitely be a good fit for Oladipo and the wings that they already have. Um, so it'll be a definitely good fit. I mean, I wasn't sure what else you were going to say because I kind of ran into some technical difficulties on my end. Go ahead and finish your point with Jerome Robinson. 
Oh no, I was just I was just saying I think his fit next to Old Diesel's great. So yeah, he'd he'd be my pick. So, yeah, you go ahead. You're good. Oh okay, cool, cool. Um, and now we got now we're moving on because now we're getting to the later the later portion of the draft. You know, you know we're we're already past the twenty, so this is more along the guys who we feel will be like some glue guys, some good rotational guys. And we already had the Pacers go ahead and get this pick. Now we move on. We got the Trailblazers with the next pick. So Tim, you have this pick. Who do you see the Blazers going with? I have the Blazers getting um, Bates Diaz, and hmm, the reason okay. why, the reason why I have them getting Bates Diaz is because I feel that the the Blazers kind of need like that like that Chandler Parsons type guy. That like they need somebody to take the pressure off C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, like a corner knockdown shooter, and I feel that. Base Diop is a capable shooter. Maybe not too far, maybe not from the three-point line, but um, his mid-range game is pretty polished. He's a um, bigger, bigger guy playing. He could play the three, maybe a stretch, maybe a stretch four. So to me, I think that Portland is kind of like missing that shooter. I would have um, took um, Kevin Hunter from Merlin, but I feel like. Um, Base Diop, the four-year guy, I feel like he would be a better fit in um, Portland next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all. I saw I saw uh, K to base Diop. I think he was a sleeper pick for me in the first round because of what his ability is playing for, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and what he can do on the defensive end. Um Again, age may be a factor for him because again, he's he again, like you said, he's a four year player. So I'm not right, sure 22. how. Um, yeah, he's like 22 years old, so it'll be definitely difficult, different to see how GMs view that. Um, Mark, do you think that do you think K to base Diab will be a good fit for that team? Yeah, I, I really like that fit for them. You know, he's got elite physical tools. He's six foot eight and a half with shoes on. He's got nearly a seven three and a half wingspan. He's a really good shooter. He can do some things off the dribble. I see him more as a stretch four. I think he's a little slow footed on the perimeter on defense, but I think he can play that three four combo wing. Uh, and you know, I, I think Portland they need a guy like that uh, that they can slot into that position. I think uh, Al Farouk Aminu had a really good year for them, and he can kind of do some things similar to him and kind of similar to Mo Harkless in the same way. Especially if they don't bring Nurkic back this uh, this off season, I think they need a guy that they can plug into that four position and still space the floor and give uh, Dame and CJ a little bit more room to operate. And I think Kata makes a lot of sense there, and his defensive versatility will certainly help him out as well. So I really, really, really like that pick for them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that pick. We'll definitely see how that works out. And uh, now we move on. We move on to the next pick. This belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. This is their first pick of the first round. Um, this will be Magic Johnson's first, you know, first go around doing the NBA draft. And it's going to be inter- interesting to see what he can do with bringing in some more talent to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, one of the things I've, I mean, I, one of the things I feel like they are going to need in this situation is going to be some depth in the uh, in the post. Um, Julius Randle is a restricted free agent. I'm not sure what they're going to do with that situation. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez with his situation. And then we're hitting on the lines of what they're going to do, bringing in another superstar into the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, 
but you then you but then again first you got to answer the question with who you're going to bring in um to help fill that mold i also think they need a backup point guard to help spell lonzo ball a little bit so i think here this is where they take hamadou diallo hamadou diallo was He's one of those guys who was projected to go a little bit earlier, but kind of fell off a little bit during the season because he was so up and down and sporadic with his play that he kind of he kind of fell a little bit on a couple of draft boards a little bit. But I think this is just my opinion. I think they go with Diallo with this pick. Um, I wasn't sure if they were going to take Anthony Simons um, or if they were going to pick a go a different direction with this pick, but I think Hamadou Diallo is somebody they're going to have to try and see what they can make it work. Um, Mark, uh, do you feel like Hamadou Diallo could be a good fit, or do you think he was somebody who they could have waited into the second round and drafted? Who do you think they should have got? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was really high on Diallo last draft uh, when he was kind of the mystery guy, but I've really, really cooled off on him after watching him in college this year, and it was interesting because he was – a lot better at all the things I thought he would struggle at, and he was terrible at all the things I thought he would be pretty good at. So, like, defensively, he was just atrocious this last year. Uh, his effort level was bad. He seemed a little bit uncoachable at times this past season. Um, you know, obviously the athleticism is there, but it's not functionally there. He rarely ever got to the basket and finished above the rim unless he was in space. He struggled to finish through contact. His shooting was a little bit better than I expected, uh, which was kind of surprising, but you know, overall, I just think his, his personality and some of the things he showed this past season when he when he ran into difficulties, and then just overall his complete lack of defense is really uh, has has me concerned about him. So to me, he was a second round pick, but he's definitely a high upside guy. Uh, so you know, I I wouldn't be shocked if a team in the late first round took a gamble on him because if he does turn out, you know, he has all the physical tools, all the athleticism, and the skill foundation that he could end up being really really good. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm not totally opposed to it, but I definitely think he could have been more of a second-round target uh, if if the Lakers were that interested in him. Yeah, no question. Um, this is this is more of a stretch. Um, it was more just on the lines of I was just going with who I felt was like on my big board a little bit. It was kind of difficult for me to make this pick because I wasn't sure which way to go. So I had right. I kind of had to go with a stretch here. I didn't want to, but it was. I mean, it's. it's to me, it's kind of it, – it isn't to me as a, really as a, as a stretch, um, seeing as though the people that's left on the board, kind of like um, like Diallo, he, like um, Mark said, he's very explosive, like very explosive. He can finish at the rim. His um, lack of instincts on the defensive end, yes, was very bad. Like just the knowledge of rotation and knowing like which guys to pick up on a rotation. Um his consistency followed the free throw line was pretty bad too when he got to the line. Um, but other than that, I think he would, I think he'll flourish in an offense that can open itself up as far as like having good perimeter shots, um, perimeter shooters on the offensive end. But yeah, to me, I don't think it's far as um, that much of a stretch to me. Wingspan at seven feet, so he can defend on the defensive end when he mentally locks in on one to defend on the um, defensive end. So to me, I don't think it's pretty much too much of a stretch yeah he, he's definitely an interesting pick you know and again he's high upside i think some other guys i would have probably preferred personally is a, like a d'anthony melton who's kind of built in the same mold that has a much cool, higher cool. basketball iq and and different feel for the game and he, maybe even a josh akoji who i'm not that high on either uh, but he's a highly athletic guard with, with really good measurables as well so i think those are the guys may would probably would have been my preference with that pick, but I can totally understand where you're coming from with it as well. 
Yeah, no question. Um, but like it's it's more of an upside pick. Um, we'll definitely see what Indiana can. I mean, not Indiana. What LA can do with that pick. But then again, um, they're more focused on bringing in another superstar this summer. But again, it's it starts with them bringing in some youthful guys, and I think this is where this is where Magic Johnson is gonna make his his uh start making his mark as as an executive for the LA Lakers this season. But um, we're gonna move on here a little bit. We got the Philadelphia 76ers with the 26 pick. This is their second pick of the first round. And Mark, this pick falls to you. Who do you see the Sixers taking with this pick? Yeah, so they, they took McCall Bridges earlier in the draft, which I think was a home run for them. But I think they can still use some more shooting and um, even more 3 and D type guys or even a combo guard to help kind of fill the role of like a J.J. Redick or T.J. McConnell, who may or may not be on the roster here moving forward. Uh, so, you know, you look at who's left on the board, even like an Afrony Simons I think would be really interesting. He's kind of built in the same mold as a Markel Fultz or a Damian Lillard. And with Markel Fultz's, you know, his jump shot and all that funky stuff that happened this last year, you know, maybe they're not sold on him and they want a guy very similar to him, a high upside player that they can bring in and try and develop uh, correctly to, to kind of be that replacement there for Fultz, especially if they use Fultz in a trade to land someone like Kawhi Leonard or someone like that. So I think Anthony Simons would be interesting here. But overall, I think, I think Philadelphia is more in a win-now mode. And if you look at a guy like Grayson Allen who can do – uh, a lot of things on and off the ball. He's an elite athlete. Exactly he can play above the rim. Yeah, I really, really like his fit there. He could replace TJ McConnell or JJ Redick in the lineup with his shooting, his ball handling, his intensity. He can be that irritant on defense. Uh, that you know, the type of guy you love to have on your team, but you hate if he's on the other team. And that's kind of the mo he had to do. Uh, you know, I think he's very, very underrated. I have him up at 22 on my big board personally. I know he's a little bit older, but he had a massive uh, sophomore season before he had to play with a bunch of other NBA players and kind of cede his role to them. So I think that's right. a big part of the reason why his numbers dip. But to me, he makes a ton of sense for them, and he's more of a win now pick. So I really like Grayson Allen for the 76ers or the 26. Right. Yeah, to piggyback on what Mark said, like, yeah, Grayson Allen, I had him at 26 also. Like, um, he hit 273 three-pointers in his final three years in college. Shot 38, um, with that being 38.2%. Another four-year guy. Um, and if anybody, if any fans um, agree with tripping up players, it'll be the Philly fans. So, I, I don't see I don't see a problem with Grayson Allen um, going right there. With JJ also being an unrestricted free agent, and who knows if he's returning back to the Sixers. So, I don't have a problem with Grayson Allen going to Philly. That was actually the same. No, guy. neither do I. Um, he's going to be that gritty type of guy. I was a fan of Grayson Allen. I think the one thing that was kind of big on me for him was his maturity. And I think he spent a lot of this past season working on that. And it was great to see. Um, and then, like you said, they, he brings that winning mentality playing at Duke and he brings that to Philadelphia. So I can definitely see that being a good fit for that team. Um, Grayson Allen would be a, would be an excellent fit in the city of Philadelphia. That's a, that's a work hard, grind them out type of city especially when it comes to their basketball team so that'll definitely be a good fit for them and now you know we move on we have the celtics at 27 um tim you have the you have this pick um with me i had divincenzo falling here but you kind of took him early a little bit so where do you think the celtics will go with the 27th pick um 
It was I. I didn't actually. I had a question mark over this pick, like for um, the last couple of days. So I just like did some um, a little bit of research, and I found that um, on I think it was a, a NBA mock draft already. They had Mitchell Robinson from um, Western Kentucky. I didn't have much on him, but I um, grabbed a couple things that um, I kind of liked and disliked. He didn't even play. He didn't play this year. They said that um, it was a college situation that he didn't. He enrolled, and a week later he um, he left. So he didn't even actually play um, basketball this last this last season. But his last high school season that he did play, um, he um, was the 2007, 2017, 18, um, one of the EYBL. Um, Co MV is it co MVPs or MVP? I'm not sure which one it was. Um, the strengths the strengths on him is that it's a very aggressive. He's dominant in the paint, and with Al Horford coming to his later years, and the they got Greg Monroe at the trade deadline. I don't think that to them. I don't think it was what they expected. It wasn't too bad because it wasn't like they gave up a lot to get him. But I think Mitchell Robinson um, would be a good fit for the Celtics. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all. Uh, what do you think about that pick, Mark? Yeah, you know, he's really interesting. Um, I'm quite a bit lower on him than most people. Obviously, the physical tools are there. The athleticism is there. I just have major, major, major concerns about his personality. I think his decision to go to Western Kentucky was highly questionable. Um, and then even when he went there, he went there, and before things even got started, he withdrew from the school and decided he was going to enter the NBA draft and spend his time working on preparing for the NBA draft rather than competing at the collegiate level. And he did that without even talking to any of the coaches, without talking to the AD of the school. He just said on his own volition. And that's been kind of a common theme, even in those pre-draft workouts, is he's really kind of worked to hide himself. He's avoided the, the NBA draft combine. He avoided the interviews. His interviews are some of the worst in recent memory. Uh, he's not very well-spoken, doesn't really think through the game at a high level anyways. Uh, so I just don't know if he has the personality and the maturity. And I, I just don't know if he has the personality you'd want in your locker room, despite the immense talent and, and, and strong foundations there with his physical tools and athleticism. But then again, going to a team like the Celtics with Brad Stevens with a really strong culture there, you know, maybe they can really help him and nurture him and, and bring him about to, to really, you know, realize his full potential with all that high upside. So I don't mind to pick them. They do need a big center like that who can protect the paint. Uh, and really get some rebounds for them. So it makes a lot of sense as far as the fit is concerned. But I definitely have major concerns of his personality. And, you know, again, I think the Celtics like the high cerebral, high intelligent type players with basketball. Right. You know, I'm not sure he's that guy. But, you know, if they believe in him, if they believe in his upside, then, you know, that's a pretty decent pick there in that position. Nah, not a bad pick at all. Um, you know, I think I think you both brought up good points. Um, it'll definitely uh, definitely uh, be different to see what happens. Like you said, he'll have some he'll have some good mentorship there. Like you said, with Al Horford and uh, Greg Monroe being in Boston right now, help getting you know, man and getting his his uh, maturity level up. But it'll definitely be different to see what Boston will do with that pick. Um, very 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 uh, you know. 
very good, you know, pick for them. I think that'll be, but it'll definitely be, it'll be definitely be on him to see how that pick will turn out once the season rolls around. Cause now we're rolling around. We get into the last three picks here. We got the gold, we got the Golden State Warriors up with this pick. And this is where I'm just like, okay, what does Golden State need that they really don't need, but they do need it because they're trying to make sure they get another championship. <laughs> and I'm not sure. They can just they can just pick any player here. Um, missed on none of their draft picks. Uh, Patrick, Patrick McCall, Jordan Bell, uh, Kevon Looney have all produced in rotational spots for Golden State. So it'll be it, it was, Even it was one of those picks where I was like, okay. Yeah, it's one of those picks where I'm like, okay, you can pick, you can pick and plug anybody here. Um, one of the things I think they do need though is another uh is a young big so that way they can spell um Jordan Bell a little bit because Kevin Looney is a free agent going into the summer. So it'll be it'll be different and you know, it, it'll we'll definitely see where they can go with this situation. Um, I had them picking Jared Vanderbilt out of Kentucky, um, just for the fact that it was just almost of the likes of Golden State can make any pick, and they can really get this figured out. Um, I didn't get a chance to. I had, you know, for a while I was thinking like maybe. Draft process went a little long. He kind of fell a little bit down on my boards because I didn't like some of the, the way he was, some of the things I've heard about him or some things I was reading. His play was a little bit up and down for Kentucky this past season. Um, what do you guys think of Jared Vanderbilt going to Golden State? I, I like Jared Vanderbilt. I, you know, obviously the shooting's a major concern. He literally did not hit a three at all this past season uh, in college. So, you know, I think obviously that's a huge concern, especially for a wing or a forward in the NBA. But he plays with a high motor. He's a really good defender. can move his feet. He's really athletic. His passing and ball handling and vision is very underrated. Uh, Coach Cal this last season, he actually talked about who of his players on his team he would trust to, to put the ball in his hands at the end of a game in a close game. And he said, Shai Gilgis Alexander, obviously, but after that, the next guy he would trust the most is Jared Vanderbilt, and I think that speaks volumes to his potential and just the trust that Coach Cal has in him. And Coach Cal is a guy that's worked with a lot of NBA players previously, uh, so I think that says a lot about what he could do for you. But then, obviously, too, I think the biggest thing is his health. Uh, he had injury concerns all throughout the season. He's still sitting out with injuries. Uh, so, you know, that's not a good sign. And, you know, if he has injury concerns and he can't shoot whatsoever, then it's hard to see where he makes it in the league, especially with the health concerns. But, you know, again, he's a very high upside pick. He fits um, very similarly to what Golden State likes to do. He's a lot better in transition. I think he could do something similar to Draymond Green with his passing and his defense. But, I'm not, and of course, I'm not saying he is Draymond Green, but I think Draymond could be a really good mentor for him as their games are, are similar in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I'm okay with that pick. I, I like him more as a second-round pick, even a late second-round pick with the health concerns. Uh, but I can definitely see a reason there. Yeah, no question. And like you said, it's 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 the Golden State Warriors, guys. Um, they can pretty much make the pick, develop the guy, and we'll see him be, you know, that type of glue player that we can talk about who's going to be a rotational guy for years to come. 
Um, again, I had him as a second round grade, but with so many, you know, I wasn't sure which way to go with this pick because as the, as the draft process went on, I was like, okay, we're getting into the later round. We're getting into the later pick. So it's like, okay, these are more like your rotation or your glue guys, as I mentioned before. So I wasn't sure which way Golden State could have went with this pick. So I had to go with somebody who I felt like, you know, is a multi rotation with their small ball type play. Um, you can bring him in. You can probably spell him for Draymond Green a little bit. I'm not sure if he has Draymond Green's defense ability. But again, like you said, his offensive ability can do. So it'll definitely be interesting to see where they go with that pick. Um, but we're going to move on here because we got two more picks to go. Moving on here, we got the Nets pick at 29. Mark, this pick falls to you. Where do you see the Nets going with this pick? Yeah, I actually like the the guys that are left on the board for the for the Nets. I think they could go a number of different ways. I think, again, they need more talent overall. They're not good. They're not going to be good for a while here. So I think just take the best player available and you'd be good with that. But they also could use more uh, big depth. They could also use – they could really use another wing. And uh, Melvin Frazier Jr. is still on the board. I like him quite a bit. I love his defense. I love uh, his offensive upside, especially with his shooting development here recently and his uh, elite athleticism and, and, and great physical measurables. Uh, Josh Okoji is another really interesting guy. Gary Trent Jr., young shooter. Jacob Evans. I mean, there's a lot of really good options. Even a Morgan Wagner uh, from Michigan. Uh, you know, he's a little bit older, but he can really shoot the ball at a high level for a big. But, you know, ultimately, you know, Anthony Simons is still on the board. And to me, he's the highest upside pick in the Nets in this position. They don't necessarily need a, a player that can come in and make an immediate impact because they're going to be going through a rebuild. You know, moving forward, they finally own their first-round picks again moving forward. So it actually would be beneficial for them to pick a guy like Simons who's going to be a, a, a long-term project and may not help them win immediately. Uh, so they can be bad and get a high pick here in the next couple of years in the draft and then maybe down the road and develop into something. And I like Anthony Simons quite a bit. He reminds me a lot of Damian Lillard. has almost identical measurements to him uh, athletically and physically speaking. He has a very similar game. He's a three-level scorer, a high-level shooter off the dribble. Uh, he's got to work on his intensity and his defense a little bit. Uh, he can kind of loaf it even in drills uh, and, and off-court stuff. He, there's some questions about his work ethic, but the upside is undeniable with him. I think he could potentially be yeah, a high-level a high rotational player, maybe even a borderline all-star if he can figure it out. And he's just so young, and uh, the Nets have a great player development coaching staff there. So overall, I think, you know, with the Nets, with their position that they're in, they can afford to take a, a swing on a guy like Anthony Simons a high upside guy that they can work on developing for a few years. So that would be my pick for them at number 29. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all. And then now we're going to round it out. We're going to, we're going to end the first round. Um, Tim, you you have the pick and you have the Atlanta Hawks third pick of the first round. Where do you see the Hawks going? Yeah, still here. Tell yeah, me the not <clears throat> but no, I would take D'Anthony Miller from um, Southern Cal. I think he's a yeah. nice combo guy. Um, with the likes of Dennis Stroder not knowing what he's going to do, I um, I would take um, DeAnthony Miller from Southern Cal. All right, that's that's not a good pick, uh, Mark. What do you think about Melton going to the Hawks for the last pick of the first round? Yeah, he's a high upside guy. Again, you know, he's got great basketball instincts, great physical tools and athleticism. He showed quite a bit of versatility as a defender his first year of college before he had that suspension uh, related to the FBI investigation. He's really interesting. If he can shoot, he could be a really good player. 
Um, but that's a big question mark, right? So, yeah, but, you know, again, at this stage in the draft, you're the Hawks, very similar to, to Brooklyn with the pick earlier. You can take a gamble on a guy like that. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's a good high upside pick that's more than likely going to outperform his draft position. Uh, but, yeah, the big question mark with him is whether or not he'll be able to figure out how to shoot. Oh, yeah, no question. But I think he'll definitely get that figured out. Um, we'll definitely see where that goes. Um, definitely get that figured out. Um, I think Melton falling this far in the draft is kind of a, a blessing in disguise for Atlanta. But we'll definitely see where that player development is going to go, bringing him in. Um, you know, and that kind of wrapped up our mock draft for the first round. So we're going to just, you know, name a couple guys in the second round to look out for as the sleeper picks in the second round. Um, I can name, you know, two off the top of my head. The first two I know in their four-year guys is Jalen Brunson and Javon Carter. Uh, Jalen Brunson proved. Times, you know, first team All-America. And good, good point guard, control the pace of the tempo for your team. Um, very good defensive player, can make shots. And then Javon Carter, main thing he can do is his defense ability. He's a he's a pit bull on the defensive end from the from the word go, can guard your guy 94 feet and give fits to your opposing point guards. Um, those are just two of the guys who I know who could be sleepers for the second round pick. Uh, what do you guys think? I was gonna um name um Mo Wagner. Mo Wagner from Michigan. Um, Mo Wagner shot almost 40% um, from the three in the last two seasons in Michigan. He um, he's handled the ball. I think to me he has an all-around skill level. He can attack the rim. He has a great shot fake. Um, the only real weakness is that he has a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call him soft, but he needs to polish it for his physicality on the defensive end in the paint. Especially being as though going into the NBA with the um, transition that would be from playing against guys close to his age rather than turn around playing guys twice his age. So, to me, I would um, name Mo Wagner from Michigan. Yeah, I, I like all those guys, especially Mo Wagner. I actually have him ranked at 23rd overall on my big board. I'm a big fan of his. So I think getting him in the second round would be a big steal. I love Jalen Brunson. I had him at 30. So those are two first-round guys that we had dropping into the second round. Melvin Frazier Jr., I'm a huge fan of. I talked about him a little bit earlier uh, with his defense, his elite athleticism, his physical tools. Uh, Jacob Evans the third from Cincinnati, I think is just a really, uh, really well-rounded wing that I also had projected to go in the first round of my big board at 29. Can do a little bit of everything. Uh, I think he could definitely be a steal for a team in the second and then just some other guys I would name out real quick. I think Jamezi Matu from USC, you know, a lot of people are pretty low on him, but he's super, super athletic. He's made, he made several NBA plays every time I watched him play. So I think his athleticism and just his energy and his versatility is a big, especially defensively, is going to translate. And I think he's going to be a big steal for somebody in the second round. Um, a couple other guys I really like. Uh, there's, a, there's a foreign guy, Trigby Leanson. He's a seven-footer with pretty good skill set. Uh, not a lot of people know about him, uh, but I like him in the second round. Shake Milton's another guy. And then guys late, late in the second round I really like. Uh, Gary Clark, I'm a huge fan of from Cincinnati, kind of a do-it-all forward, really tough-minded, high-defensive guy. Uh, Theo Pinson from North Carolina, if you can figure out how to shoot, he's a rotational wing in the NBA. And then I'm a big Keelan Martin fan from Butler. I think that dude just knows how to play ball. 
I think he's got great measurables, pretty good athleticism. He's really, really coachable, really great teammate. Uh, so I'm a big fan of him. So those are uh, some other guys in the second round that uh, I'd throw their names out there for, for guys to keep an eye on as we approach the draft. Yeah, no question. A lot of lot of good, talented guys coming to the draft this year. Um, it's definitely going to be a good look to see where teams go next Thursday on June 21st. Um, too many, too, too many guys. I think this is one of the more talented draft pools I've seen in a long time. Um, we had a lot of guys, you know, there's some, there were some picks that we made that, you know, could make some people, you know, be like, oh man, maybe that could happen. Cause that's the thing about the NBA draft. You never know what teams are thinking, what teams may, what decisions they make, may make. And um, it's going to be definitely interesting to find out what's going on, but that'll do it here for this episode of the hand down, man down podcast. Um, Mark, it was great having you on the show. Great to have your your extra your draft uh, analysis on to help you know further along see where teams are t- thinking and what players we could be looking out for in this year's draft. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our viewers where could they find you? What you know where you can find you? Where your stuff is located? Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, and just first, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to come on. You know, Tim and Danny, you guys both do just tremendous work. Love listening to your podcast. You guys are great. So, uh, you know, again, just really, really appreciate you guys letting appreciate me on that. here. And, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you guys do great work, so much respect to you. But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there. You can find me at Mark Wallen NBA. Uh, Mark is spelled M-A-R-K. Wallen is spelled W-A-H-L-E-N, so at Mark Wallen NBA. All my work is hosted over at our website, the5by5.com. The first five is spelled out. The number five is the number five. So, again, the5by5.com. Uh, we also have a Twitter account. We have a podcast network that we're working on there. Uh, we're doing a lot of draft coverage with in-depth sky reports, big boards, uh, mock drafts, all sorts of fun stuff there. So be sure to give me a follow. I'm always up for talking basketball. So hit me up on social media and uh, yeah, again, just thanks so much for having me on and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, guys, stay tuned. We have, we have this episode it should be coming out to you guys real soon, but in the meantime, between time, we're going to get on out of here. We're going to get this up to you. Be on the lookout for my on my Twitter page and on handdownmandown.show, the, the Instagram page, for the results of our mock draft that we had out here tonight for the first round. And uh, definitely keep you guys posted. And be on the lookout for the draft. It's coming on June 21st out in Chicago. So be on the lookout for everything. With everything that's been going on and all the news and all the draft notes that's been going on, should be an interesting draft this year. But in the meantime, between time, we're going to get out of here, guys. We'll catch you guys later.